Hey everyone, welcome to the Next Steps podcast. It's our Tuesday podcast where we talk about the previous Sunday um, sermon series. Uh, my name's Dan and uh, we're, we're going to be talking about our interesting carol service yesterday. So, um, But before we start, I'd just like to make an acknowledgement and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and sea over the past thousands of generations. But here today we've got, here they are. We've just been talking about why Matt's camera is blurry, but I can't think of anything funny except that he uses a Mac and Stu. Hi, Stu. Stu and Hi. I use a Hi. PC. Yeah. Now, I know, that has nothing, that. I know it has nothing to do with it, but it's just fun saying it. <laughs> it, it you're right. It's a, it, it's a funny joke. <laughs> you're not getting tired of it all, are you, Matt? <laughs> He's the only one with a... With a 4K camera in his actual screen, but anyway. Um, so we've had a very interesting carol service. Now, I, what we might do is we might just rant out a few of the quotes that we've heard from other people for a sec, just to catch a glimpse of what the Sunday was like. So what, what are some of the quotes or feedback that you guys have heard from yesterday's carol service? Stu, I'll go with you first. Oh, well, I'll start with one big standout was um was it was and this is from a lady of you know age and experience saying it was the best christmas i think christmas event or something she's ever been to which was pretty amazing to hear so that was cool mm -hmm. matt do you hear anything else i well i've got one email that's uh from somebody who you would say would be uh an expert in baptist churches has written the, the history of many, many, many Baptist churches. And he says, yesterday blew my mind. Uh, I had planned to stay at home and work on Greek or Psalms. Or, I don't want to give too much away who I'm talking about here. But I, uh, anyway, he's just saying the health of the place is unbelievable. I just appreciated, you know, he, he, he just was effusive in terms of how, how significant it was. And another one was from... Uh, somebody who has been part of our church and has moved away. This is another email. Uh, she said it's been a, it was a special service and meant a great deal to me because where they are, they've moved to a new place, not knowing a soul. They're in COVID isolation, and the whole service was wonderful. The music and the whole presentation was so very professional and a credit to everybody. It made me see see in a very personal way for the first time how incredibly valuable these online services and connections are, what a lifeline are to those who are permanently isolated. So that's from somebody who, who wasn't actually able to be here in person but watching online, a number of other positive things. But, yeah, look, uh, a number of people saying it was the best Christmas service they've ever been to, which is a big call, really. Mm. Yeah, I've been to a lot of Christmas services. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is going to go down as one of the ones that I will remember. Like it, I think I think I would probably say this is my favourite Christmas experience. In a sec, we'll be asking why. What makes it special? Hmm. Any other comments before? I had one person who said, "Wow, there wasn't a single bit of cringe in that." <laughs> in a really good Aussie accent, and uh, <laughs> someone else saying, "Oh, I would have invited anyone to that. That was really comfortable." Like, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Yeah, no, okay, generally so, the feedback I got was was, and that's from young and old that that was a I don't know they they enjoyed themselves and and there was a real feeling of community and and heart to it, which was really good. 
Mm. Um, for those who didn't make it or who haven't seen it yet, Stu, can you paint the picture? What, what did they miss? Ah, oh, you missed out on a good week. Um, yeah, we had uh, basically it was sort of church in the round. We had the band down in the middle of the middle to the edge of uh, the auditorium, uh, a major circle of chairs, and the band formed sort of part of this central core uh, around the piano, and we played Christmas carols. Uh, everyone standing looking into the dead centre where we had candles, the lights were down, there was a real feeling of that classic winter Christmas that the Northern Hemisphere get and most of us have never had here, although it's been pretty miserable this week. But um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we sort of had a glimpse of that, um, just that just the uh, carols by candlelight, I suppose you'd say, in the, in the middle of the morning here in Tassie. And, there, and then there was a really warm feel, um, yeah, just a, a really great time of community singing. Uh, and because we're in the round, you really felt like the scene was all around you. It wasn't the band performing. It wasn't, here's the band, here's the singers, look at them. It was everyone looking at each other across a circle and just enjoying some amazing songs. Um, and just to be enveloped in singing was just an amazing experience. For those watching online, there's a number of people listen to this, but for those watching online, I've got a, a pick I can put up that covers half of Sue and half of Danny. But you, I think I can. can oh no, I just move, I'm moving the wrong thing. I'm moving that around. That's completely unhelpful. But you get a bit of a, a bit of a sense for the for the shape of the band there in the middle and the and the Christmas trees up the back and and everyone sitting around. Mm-hmm. Great. We've been talking a little bit for a while about um, in many of our modern churches being performance driven um and so having the band and the lights and the focus is all on the stage uh and it it actually divides between audience and presenters uh and so this was an experiment partly just um for us to be able to to be for the whole church to actually feel like they are the band or that they are the worshipers or something Mm. i think one thing that made yesterday really special for me is this is one of my first experiences where I think carols and worship have merged together. I think often mm. I've seen carols yeah, and, and, and it's primarily just about Christmas and festivities. The, mm. Yesterday for me felt um, special in that the lyrics I was singing, I, I was worshipping using carols, which for me is mm. a bit of a unique one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, and for me, I, I was I was part of the band as you were, Dan. Um, fortunately, Matt was not part of the band, um, <laughs> but we had. Uh, for me, now we we knew our stuff as a band, but but we all, everyone I spoke to, I think, got a bit lost in the moment at times. You know, there was even a moment where I wasn't playing because we were playing Silent Night, and I found myself choking up because it was. We had a, an a cappella section where people just were singing their hearts out. Uh, and it was it was an emotional emotional response, you know. I just I thought I might have to sit out the rest of the song. Actually, it was it was so nice to be part of, and and bring in mind it was a part that I wasn't playing, you know. That, but it still got to me. So you know, it was it was really good from a uh, someone who usually is up there performing or playing to actually sometimes you get caught up in your instrument or hitting the right things or hitting the right key or note or. And you forget that you're worshipping as well. But this was very much, you're right in there. And that, that's down to probably a whole bunch of things. But it was, yeah, it was just, it was really great to be part of. Mm-hmm. It, it really was nice just 
being able to see people's faces uh, and 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 I I actually loved um, we, we tried something a bit different did the sermon in three bits and just being in amongst people and actually be actually fairly close to people when I'm talking to them so they're not you know long way away and 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 I loved seeing the little kids um, when the kids talk sort of right in the middle sort of embraced and enveloped by the whole community mm. Um, mm. it really it, it was it was beautiful it was mm. it, there was a something beautiful about it and um, mm. and and it was nice having the saxophone that you know and that, and, and Daniela on the violin and mm. like it and and having the the most singers I've seen at a citywide service. So certainly in the last five years, I think we had eight eight singers. Yeah, singing we, together. we had to pull a couple of old SM58 mics out of mothballs for that one. <laughs> and we, I think we ran out of space on the desk too. So, <laughs> so no, it was great. So. Next year, we've already penciled it in. Well, we've penned it in for the 17th of December next year. Mm. So we mm. encourage people to make it along. It's a Christmas mm. carol service with a difference. Um, mm. and, and one you can invite anyone to. I don't, I don't, I think anyone mm. who's, who's, yeah, just open to singing Christmas carols would actually really like the feel. Like you said, mm. Stu, there's not many places in Australia where you can get a dark, warm, cozy atmosphere for carols. And, uh, and, it's one of the things we can do here. <laughs> so, mm, mm. Yeah. I think one of the special things too is that is that um, it, we we're not polished. We we're not the greatest musicians. We're not the greatest singers, and we had some very inexperienced people up the front, just doing doing their best. And and yeah. it was really nice mm. to be part of that. But I really felt that we just gave what we could, and it was a real loaves and fishes moment to me mm. because I think we we're all just in there, humbly giving what we could, and and God did the rest because it was certainly bigger than we could have done in our own power. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's prompted a lot of questions for us of what what do we want out of our worship at church on a normal Sunday? Like it's one thing to do a nice carol service with candles and creating atmosphere and stuff, but for a week to week, <clears throat> we often talk in our church about being authentic community and and worshiping authentically. So what what would that have to do with what we saw yesterday? I keep saying yesterday because we're recording this on Monday, so yeah, it'll come out on Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, I, I I love like for me, there's a quote by Winston Churchill, and he says, "We build our buildings, then our buildings build us." Uh, and what we did on Sunday was change how we built, and so people came and sat in a different place, and by sitting in a different place. Uh, and having the the musicians in a different place and the speakers in a different place, it it actually changes how you experience it and how you interact with it. And and I I love the idea of keeping on wrestling with how do we like how do we not just have church in rows um, facing the lecture you know the lecture up the front, mm. but how how do, how do we how do we do more of this? How how do we let our buildings shape us in the right way, so we are becoming more authentic community? Um, mm -hmm. So we're having very real discussions. We'd love to hear from people about what they would think about you know maybe doing a bit more of this kind of gear, maybe mm -hmm. maybe even 
it being business as usual at our church. Probably from a number of our older people, they'd probably be saying, let's not keep it that dark all the time. Mm-hmm. They'd, they'd probably be indicating that. But, but what, mm. what may it mean for us to do church not in rows in quite the same way? Mm. Mm. In, in and we're coming out of COVID too. Sorry, just to comment on that because we've had our tables for a while and, you know, I think people are open to it. They realise, you know, we're not bedded to our pews or our chairs in exactly the same place. So I think we, we're in the zone where people are up, up for change. Well, I know there's yeah. been a bit of a change fatigue as well, but we know that we, people have learnt that change isn't the, the enemy a bit. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. In, in the village where I was living in, in the UK, the, the local church, <clears throat> it's, um, you know, eight, 800 years old or something, but the, the pews that went in a bit later, they, they're actual cubicles. And once you're sitting in your pew, you actually can't see a single other person in the church mm. except for just your family. So they had high backs and high fronts. And then they had the pulpit way up high so that everyone could look up and see the preacher. And the, the church of that era was a part of its function was to manage and control the congregation. And the way that they did that is that the, the way that you speak to God is through the priest. Um, and so we, we, we ask the priest on our behalf to intercede for us, which is really Old Testament sort of theology. But then as in the 1700s, the Wesleyans, the Moravians, a few of the early post-Reformation guys, they said, no, this is the era. They call it the priesthood of all believers. So everyone has access to God. Um, mm. and, and so the Wesleyans said, well, why are we sitting in pews and facing the front? We don't need a high priest to intercede for us. We have direct access to God. So actually we're all equal and we're all worshipping God together. So they, they designed their churches to actually be hexagonal or octagonal and they would sit mm. in a circle with the choir in one wedge and then the rest of it is the congregation. If you go up to, I think it's Longford, there's a church designed in the same manner. It's a sort of circular church built in the 1830s, I think, or something. And, Perth and Church. Yeah, Perth Baptist Church. And you'll see um, that in these churches, it's the church facing each other in, in London. There's some beautiful examples. And I think that's a bit of what I'm bringing into this arena is we don't need the worship band to intercede on behalf of us for worship, which, <laughs> yeah, and I just so keen for us to worship God together, not and not just you know, um, have our own little experience, my own, you know, my own little cubicle experience of worship led by mm. the worship band, but mm. actually for us to be an authentic worshiping communities singing together, um just celebrating God together and, mm. and declaring our love for him. So it's, I love the chance that people have to see each other's faces and hear each other's voices as we worship. Mm. Yeah. It's um, interesting. I, I just realised that um, when I started at the church, it was held at the Rosny College Auditorium, mm. and that is, a, is sort of a U-shape. You know, they, they swing around mm. the wings around the stage, and so I can remember sitting on the wings and you would be able to see people on the other side which in a lot of traditional churches is you are purely facing the front. So mm. maybe I was spoiled growing up where I actually had some of that, didn't even realise how good it was, you know, just being able mm. to see other people at the church. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I really, we, we are seriously talking about it. How do we make some changes? So it's a bit more in this territory next year. Mm-hmm. We might, you know, pick a month early in the year and say, let's have an experiment, see how it goes. Mm. Um, see what it might, see what might happen. 
Mm. And I think what I think Daniel brought up too, it's not about the band uh, or the even the speaker. Sorry, Matt, but it's not about the speaker. It's about. Um, <laughs> but it's you know, especially for us, we're just a, a humble group of amateur musos mm. who really don't want to be seen. We're not interested in, you know, uh, we're not fancy dresses. We're not even that good looking. Some might say, mm. but uh, and we have we'd be happily sitting back and um, not be seen. So to me, it was quite freeing just to be down same level. Um, everyone looking at everyone, so no nobody's really looking at anyone too. You could you could say as well. So mm -hmm. um, you're not feeling like the focus at all, and you don't feel like oh no, people are looking at me. I've got to perform. You know, you don't want to ever feel like that. Or yeah. in my mind, I don't want to have to feel like that. So um, it was quite yeah. freeing for me too. We could, we were free to worship more and just more relaxed, where, rather than worrying about how I look or whether I'm hitting things right. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. Mm -hmm. So we'll move on to talk about the sermon, but but you're right, Stu. There's there's no star of the show. There's no charismatic mm. person at the center of it. It's us together doing church, um, mm. being church together. Mm. Um, Matt, your sermon was about love. Three parts mm. to it. I thought I was going to say it's actually three sermons, wasn't it? It was three sermons. <laughs> well, they're record-breaking sermons. If it was three sermons, I don't think I've ever done three sermons that short before <laughs> yeah six minutes yeah so matt you talk about love now the last the fourth candle on the advent candles is is love um mm. and we 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 talked well you you shared about what love is and do you want to try and define that again for us here yeah uh and, it, and it's hard to get, do better than 1 corinthians 13 but maybe a shorthand way of doing that is extending yourself for the sake of another person. Mm. Uh, it's probably a shorthand way of saying love requires you to go beyond yourself for the sake of another. Um, mm. And, and uh, I, as I was coming to the sermon, I was thinking, how do we, how, there's so much use of that word how do we talk about what it actually means and what the Bible means by it, and 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 how do we address the the many ways in which people have wrong approaches to it? Uh, and so that's that's what I was reaching for. In the, and I, I realised at the end of it all, I you know I half said a whole lot of stuff, and there's a lot of stuff I would have liked to have more time to unpack. And but I think. So, certainly opened up a conversation about some of the questions around what does it mean to to actually love. Mm -hmm. So you included the quote from Scott Peck on the road less travelled. Um, love mm. is extending yourselves for the sake of another. And since it requires mm. the extension of ourselves, love is always either work or courage. In an, if an act is not one of work or courage, then it's not an act of love. There are no exceptions. Now, that's a, that's mm. a big claim from Scott because I watch unfortunately my wife's only genre of movies is romantic comedies and so i watch a heap of those Deep they are good i can't <laughs> i love them but they yes. they would disagree with what scott's saying there um that yeah, they would. is work or courage so so do you want to take scott's corner on this one yeah well uh, uh, to quote bono uh I this is from the, 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 the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can move on. 
there is a um, a song on the album How's the Dismantle and Atomic Bomb called A Man and a Woman. And in it, he said, I would never take a chance on losing love to find romance in the mysterious distance between a man and a woman. What I... One of the things I was reaching for and trying to communicate briefly was I, I think the romantic comedies sell a lie when they say romance is love. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the Greeks had more words for love than we do, but uh, the short the short version of um, just trying to unpack it is that there, there is uh, there's lovely, warm feelings. They're not wrong. It's beautiful when you fall in love with people. That's just fantastic. Uh, but the, the research indicates you're going to fall in love with a few people be, before you get married and people after you get married. Those feelings come and go and chances are you will have those feelings for other people even after you've done the happily ever after on, you know, after your wedding day. It is If you base your life on those feelings, relationships don't last. And, and so yeah. that's why... Um, if you look at the definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, the first, the very first thing Paul says, love is patient. Like, hello, that's nothing about that feels good. Like, patience is not a patience is by definition doing something painful. Like, it is putting your own desires aside for the sake of another. That's just the first word. Uh, and so, I. I it was interesting. We I used to do a lot of work in high schools, and one of the questions we would we would we would actually get um, those words of one Corinthians thirteen up, and and we would say, and we get people to list the you know, what does it feel like when you're being when you're in love with someone, and put them on the other side of the board, and we would say, okay, uh, which of these two lists? If you list what it feels like and the experience of being in love, and this list of what it means, love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking, you know, all that. Which, which one would you prefer to be loved like? And there is just no question. Like the other one, the romance is, is ultimately, we know how it kind of works. You're, you're actually not, you're not seeing the person you're in love with. You think you are. But what you're actually doing is projecting your home movies on them and imagining they're going to meet all your needs. And then one day, if you happen to go off and get married and, or enter into a long-term relationship, you wake up one morning and think, I just don't know this person. And then that's when the marriage actually starts because it's, it's a journey to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, this whole there, – there's just this um, – lie in our culture that says you should do what feels right. Mm. Um, Love, real love, many, many times, in fact, I would say mostly, doesn't always feel right. Mm. There's there's always this, uh, this sense of putting my needs, my desires aside for the sake of another. Now, there's a whole lot in that. Even just beginning this conversation uh, means one of the dangers is that there's been this um, tendency in Christian circles a bit uh, to use some of these definitions of love to pr- promote abuse, actually. 
Uh, and so that's why uh, I, I, I really I felt like I just kind of opened a number of conversations on, and I half did them all. I didn't feel like I was able to address anything like I wanted to. But, mm. but there is a real danger of um, while love is extending yourself for the sake of another person, it isn't being abused by another person. Uh, and and it's actually really important to have what I, one of the things I was saying, and I, I wasn't able to communicate it clearly enough. But, but you you actually can't love well unless you have boundaries. Unless you can say no, you can't really say yes unless you can say no. Uh, and so, so so we we so yeah, we sort of opened the whole conversation and 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 sort of spoke to in in that direction knowing that i was really only just opening up a conversation about that that i think is need, needs to be an ongoing conversation because i don't think uh in christian circles i think we tend to overemphasize the um we, we in our words we tend to overemphasize the um letting people you know just giving up our needs for the sake of others which is is true, but we, we can in that sometimes create a culture that is ripe for abuse too. And that and so you've got to there's this there's this line you've got to walk in at all in terms of what is it what is healthy love actually look like. So there's one one diagram I'm just gonna chuck up which might help you explain that a bit further, Matt. You you showed us this one yesterday. Um for those who are listening, it, it it's a concentric circles diagram with about eight, eight circles. Um, in the centre is me. I might show the other version in a sec. And there are two versions of this. The the next one. I know these words are tiny. It's um, it says um, intimate, intimate, and then there's best friends. Then there's yeah. close friends. Then there's friends. Then there's uh, acquaintances. Acquaintances. And then there's people you kind of know the first name of. I, Which yeah, was your funniest line yesterday? Because <laughs> people, you know, the first name of is fifteen hundred people on average. And then he, I loved your line, and I, I feel sorry for my kids because sometimes I can't remember their names. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, anyway. it's sad but true. Um, yeah, but this this is this is actually comes from a, a a professor at Oxford University, Robin Dunbar is his name. They call it the Dunbar number. It says you cannot manage more than 150 friends. You cannot, and just in terms of the, that the research indicates that no one really has more than 150 friends. Uh, he, he would also say you can't really have more than five people who are really, really close. And you can't have more than fifteen people who are your best friend. So, so they're sort of concentric numbers. So the the fifteen includes the five, and then it goes out from there. But it, um, but it is, uh, it's important to understand that we are limited, and particularly for those of us who have sort of spent years in ministry or uh, who are wired to you know hang out with people or whatever. Well, it's been an important thing for me as I look back 
sometimes in saying yes to acquaintances, I have to. I, I don't think I clearly saw how I was saying no to close friends or family. Mm. Uh, and and I, it, it's a it's, it's interesting to see that there are limitations as a human being. You cannot sustain a, a big enough. Uh, set of relationships. Now, one of the things I did say that there's research that came out last couple of weeks from America that says uh, people have lots and lots of acquaintances, but the number of the amount of time people are spending with friends in the last eight years has halved, which is, and the 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 amount of time people are spending alone in the last eight years has doubled. Now, that's from the States. I, I'm uh, assuming that that trend, based on my own experience and my own observations, that I'm, I'm assuming that the same factors that are causing that to happen in America are active here in Australia, and by those factors, I mean Android phones. Um, if, if, if only everyone had iPhones, everything would be... No, it, it is the smartphone largely as well as Netflix and um, streaming services. And like the, the research was saying there was a time where we... At least we would relate as we were fighting over what we'd watch on TV. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we'd have to come to some compromise. Now, uh, everybody in the house is watching their own screen. Mm -hmm. Um and the thing we haven't seen here is the impact of COVID and the, the last couple of years. We, I don't think we've seen a lot of the research yet. Um, it's too early. Just about the impact that the last couple of years has had on these statistics. Because mm, I, yeah. I know kids, kids used to be popping around to each other's houses quite often. And they've, they seem to have lost the art of inviting themselves around. Or, mm. yeah, so I, th I think it's more significant <clears throat> than, than what that even paints. And so what for me, this I'll put this thing, what this indicates is while we have the capacity for five intimate friends and 15 best friends and 50 good friends and 150 friends, I think the reality for most people is they have far less than that. Uh, but they might have, like I've now got 2,000 Facebook friends. Uh, like now you can have... Um, and it's interesting we call them friends, but you can have mm. heaps and heaps of people as acquaintances, and and we and that becomes the badge of honour. If you can get the most, you know, likes on a TikTok, and they actually had to stop putting the same reactions and likes and things on on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube because it was causing significant mental health for people when mm. mental health issues when they weren't getting the likes or when they were getting bad comments from people it was causing all kinds of mental health issues so what what is i i don't think we fully realize well i know we don't but i, I think we, we're just starting to glimpse the world has changed drastically in eight years mm. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's scary to think that there are some people some kids who are genuinely grown up thinking my friends other people on Facebook and it's a person that I met once in the school ground or the person I went to a conference with they are friends no they're not they're people you, who you met once uh, mm. would they pick you up and take you to hospital if they need if you needed to would they help you out if you needed a meal you know 
that's the next question to ask. You know, that that's a friend. That's that's someone you can count on. And they, they're those few numbers you were talking about. The five to was it five to fifteen? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. But it, it just yeah, that worries me that there's people going. Oh no, well I'm, they're my friends, you know, but not real friendship or not. There's not. Yeah, it's it's not going any deeper than purely. What was the top one? Acquaintances, I think it was. Or no. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that's that's sad. And, and that's where this other graph comes up. I, I'm suggesting that this is what a healthy approach to life looks like. And, and, it, and it is that God is at the centre. And, and I, like, I find it interesting that Mary and Jesus' brothers came to drag Jesus away. They wanted to be at the centre. They were concerned that he was giving them the family a bad name. Uh, and there's all kinds of forces and people who want to be at the centre of your life. And... and and in a healthy life, God is at the centre. And then it's really important, particularly in ministry, but like for anybody who's married, to make sure that their partner is the only other person on the, in that next inner ring. Uh, other people will want to come in and out, but there, there has to be somebody you are the most intimate with. And then, then there's, you know, there's a place for family, immediate family and friends and colleagues uh, and people you care for, and your neighbours. Uh, but, but I think one of the insights, and I'm, here I've been preaching to myself in all this, is that um, you've actually got to choose, like Jesus did, you've got to choose to say no to people in order to say yes to people. Mm. In order for me to say yes to a, a, a healthy marriage, I need to sometimes say no to work. Or I, I actually sometimes need to say no to my kids. Or um, in order to say yes to my kids, sometimes I need to say no to my friends. You know, in order to say yes to my friends, sometimes I need to say no to my colleagues. So these are the these are the boundaries that are actually essential. And one of the dangers is we, when we talk about love being extending yourself for the sake of another, we can read that as saying you don't have boundaries. Well, Jesus clearly had boundaries. Uh, and, and he was still loving. He was still loving. You've got to love our neighbours, but you don't invite your neighbours to come and, you know, be part of your family. There, there, are, there have to be, there has to be distinctions because as human beings, we only get 24 hours a day and we only have so much emotional energy. And so learning to, so in a healthy community, you you have people at different levels of relationship. You know, it's really awkward um, because particularly I found as a pastor, a lot of people want the pastor to be in that close level of relationship. But if you've got 300 people you're looking after, it's mm. not physically possible um yeah. and so and, and just to, just in passing just while i say this one of the awkward things about life is people come in and out of those circles and you kind of need to be conscious about that and um m most societies have rituals for people coming in and out of the circles like you've got rituals for people coming into a family that's called the wedding uh, you've got rituals for people leaving a circle. There's a, a funeral or we have ways of saying goodbye to people at a, a church or in a, in a, in a group. And, and it is a significant thing when people move 
sometimes through relationship breakdown or where, where people move through different who were close move further out and when people who are further out move come in uh and it and and it's actually for all of us it's important to know okay where are the different people in my life in the circles and and as i pointed out for those without partners like paul, the apostle paul would say good on you uh mm. it means you have some you have more emotional energy because each one of the people the closer people are who are in to you and into that into your heart, that they they take more emotional energy of, from you. you. You they ask it asks more of you. It requires you to be more vulnerable, and it means that you can spend more time and more energy on in serving God if you are not uh, if you're not, if you're not married. So you can see there's a whole lot in there, and I'm, I'm not going to mention the fact that sometimes your daughters grow up and connect with boys and end up in other families' Christmas photos. Uh, and and you have to, as a dad, learn to let them gradually move away, and 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 have to come to terms with the fact that you may not be the most significant male in their life anymore. And it sounds I'm like pleased. you're speaking from experience, there, Matt. No, what, what I'm pleased is that that's never had that's never happened to me, and I refuse to to admit that it'll ever happen to me. <laughs> uh, Reality is about to slap you across the face, I think, Matt. But. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting uh, yeah. too with your circles there. I think sometimes the personality, people's personalities come into it as well. Like I'm, I'm someone I know from my personality type that if we were friends, you are friends for like with me. You, you'll always be my friend, and and it's hard to for me to go sometimes. Oh, actually, they've moved away. They really need to slip down the. You know, we we don't have the relationship we did, but in my head, they're still. If they turned up, it'd just be like they left yesterday. Now, and that can be yeah. through circumstances or geography or wh whatever. Um, but um, like everyone's just as important to me. So I struggle to go, you know, there is actually, you know, I, I've got to treat my wife different to the person I met once at that conference, you know. So, um, <laughs> but everyone's different. There's certainly people who are happy to keep people at arm's length and, and those circles are very empty, especially the ones close to the middle. Um, yeah. I've seen that, you know, before too. So we've all got our own situations to deal with, but we've all still got to struggle with the fact that to love, takes sacrifice and takes time and jane and i yeah. my wife um you know we've been conscious of going okay what what's our fate because we're all about people but we can't do it all like uh where do we go first is it do we need to concentrate on say new people into the area to make sure they're looked after in, in a new environment do we look after those that are slipping away and we haven't seen them for a while unfortunately for us they're all important people in our lives how do you how do you differentiate but really the main thing for us is, well, actually it's God first, partner second, hmm. family, you know, those yeah. those key ones that help you stay stable as well because we all need those people to keep us on stable ground and keep us grounded, keep us um, asking us the tough questions and making sure we're not, you know, headed off in weird ways. So those people are important too. So how on earth in our 24-hour day do we manage all of that, especially if you're like us where people are, you know, really important to us to our calling, but also how we manage life. And Matt yeah, explained well, how Jesus had um, the 12 disciples, but he also had the three that he often, four times in the book of Mark, he took, took aside. Um, so he really focused on three uh, and then the 12. And then there's also the 72 that he sent out. And um, yes. so he, he had different levels of relationship. And uh, it, one thing you said yesterday prompted 
the thinking because often we, we use the thing of you know love God with everything you've got and then love your neighbor as yourself. That that philosophy of love your neighbor as yourself can leave itself open to abuse or can you can become a doormat too. And the the, the one that you read, Matt, is was that Colossians that says um, think of others more than yourself. Um, yeah, maybe exactly mm. slightly very similar to that. But that's um, Philippians. Yeah. Philippians yeah. yeah. So that that passage for me works in the context of these concentric circles. Um, I, I it's okay for me to think of others as, as more than myself when they're in the first few few rings of like um, intimate relationships or family or best friends, um, because I want to show them love. Now, we can also abuse that level of thinking because we actually are asked to love our enemies as well. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So and and I, I think we're still called to love our neighbours. We're called to love everybody, but loving is not the same as intimacy. Mm. So, And so we're not, fortunately, we're not invited to get everybody to share our beds. You know, we're not invited to get everybody to share our dinner table, but we are invited to... Re- respond appropriately and lovingly in a way where we, we are invited to extend ourselves for the sake of everybody, but not at the same level in the same way. And so the, the, the um, Gentile lady comes up to Jesus and says, my my daughter is sick. I need you to feed her, to fix her, make, make her well. And she, she keeps going and, and, uh, and he says, look, I, I'm here for the lost sheep of Israel. I'm not here for you. Um, but he still he's still responds to her and heals her daughter, but he knows clearly he's not going to invite her to be a disciple. Um, mm. And I, I actually think that there's a whole side to loving that we in the Christian church don't do well, and that is loving through being honest and having conflict and, and through and through drawing those circles around the different so so that I do treat some like Jesus didn't treat everybody the same equality uh, is not a biblical idea we are equal before God in value as human beings but we're all different and God relates to us each differently and so it is like Jesus didn't relate equally to all his disciples. He chose three and then the 12 and then the 72 and there are others. But I actually think uh, learning to tell people, no, sorry, you're not, we, we don't have that kind of relationship. Uh, I need you to, uh, you, you are at a different stage to my, like sometimes it'll feel like we've got to invite everybody to be members of our family. And we've got, no. Uh, really members of our family are members of our family uh, or not everybody has to be your best friend um, mm. but you, but you do need some best friends you, know, you, you and, and so but that it can be awkward trying to negotiate that and, and and in a healthy community there is enough overlap so everybody has enough everybody has friends and everybody uh, is cared for. But it does mean, I, I do think, um, I, I, I think if you throw a bunch of really people who are trying to be good, trying to be good Christians and love everybody, if, and you throw somebody who 
uh, is a bit damaged and who who is need want to get their needs met, uh, then they all want to come straight into the past all those boundaries and come straight into the heart of things. And and will also they'll also be a bit dodgy about God being in the center of your life. They really think they should be in the center of your life. And so and that is. That's normal because there's plenty of people who are broken and there's something nice about, there's something beautiful about being in the centre of somebody else's attention. But if you can, if you're the, if you're the centre of too many people's attention, that, that's actually not healthy. Uh, so so I, I actually think the, the appropriate boundaries are a, a form of love that we don't talk about enough and... and uh, we don't pro- possibly practice enough, and I'm talking here to myself as somebody. As I look back on my history and think, I, I think one of the sadnesses for me is I think sometimes I was so busy doing work for God that I wasn't around for my kids enough, mm-hmm. you know, or my, or, or I didn't see my wife enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping and praying that I'm growing, uh, and I think my kids would say I'm around a bit more. But I can still, my head can still be a million miles away and they're trying to talk to me. And, and I, I think this is the journey we're all on to, to love people to, and to have the right levels of intimacy with people uh, for the right kind of relationships, you know. Mm. So, again, I, I'm sorry I'm, I'm going on a bit, but for, you can hear there's a whole bunch of stuff behind all this that I know speaks to a number of the questions of the of our church family and for my me personally and this is some of the core stuff about what it means to to actually be community in the mess and mm. chaos of mm. reality of human relationships mm. can i just go back one step perhaps just to go back to love itself and the definition of love is that i think one of the biggest things that we can put out there for people and it's, it's made the biggest difference in my life, I think, is, is to recognise that it's something you do. It is a verb. It is not something mm. you feel. That is the lie, I think, from yep. the romantic comedies, just to go back to what you were saying earlier. The moment that you put work into love, then it can work. You can make it work. I love. There was a quote I heard, and it was about, um, once again, more romance, but uh, there is no the one. Okay, that's the other mm. big, I'm going to call it a lie. In my opinion, it's a lie that there is one person for you out there. Now, the quote I heard is, she's not the one, you make her the one, okay? Mm. It, it's sort of referencing the work that is involved when you want to love in that romantic sense. But, mm. but the work in, in loving people is, is in every day, in friendships, in, in all that we do mm. in our family. It is something you work on. It is something you do. It is not something you have to wait to feel because that is when you'll get new options, you'll get other people to love, you'll get other things to take your time or mm. even, you know, idolise, you you know, the love of money, for example, you'll, you'll put your mm. time into that because, um, yeah, like, but so we have to work on it and I think that's the lie out there that, that basically um, if you're not feeling it, then it's not right. Well, mm. you know, th- the reality is all the marriages I know that are successful work at it yeah. they work at it they sacrifice yeah. they don't go with their feelings all the time they they have to accept the other's ideas uh we have to compromise that yeah. is the key to love and mm-hmm. and i think yeah. that is the message that we hopefully as a church we can get out of the show too that that we love one another because christ told us to it wasn't 
wait for the feeling and then love. No, it's you will love. Go out and love. Show love. Be love. Yeah. Uh, that is the big difference. We don't have to wait for it. Um, it's there um, and you can show it uh, from within. Something you can work on. It. And, it's, and to me, that's also saying you're not going to get it right all the time because you're going to, you know, it is something we've got to work on. Um, so, I, yeah, to me, that that is the heart of it. If, you, if we got that message out to more people, I would hope that more marriages would be successful, that yeah. there'd be people yeah. working out of their passions because, you know, they're actually seeing that work is the if, if you I don't feel like doing that thing today well yeah imagine if we all worked on our feelings nothing would happen I mm. never want to feel like mowing the lawn but you know not that I love doing that but you know what I mean like it, we have to if we worked on our feelings nothing would get done and, mm. it, and society would be in ruin um, so the reality yeah. is um, you know we we need to work and we really need to put that it's one thing I've worked in young adults ministry for a while and we tried to get it out there to say is it's not a feeling, it's something you do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And just with all that, I just want to put in the rider. And this is one, it's, it's awkward, but uh, everything everything Stu is saying is really important. It's, it's also important to say there are people who are in abusive relationships where your task is not to... Um, keep letting yourself get abused mm. that, that is allowing someone to abuse you is actually not loving to them mm. like that that is dehumanize abuse is always dehumanizing to both parties uh and so it's, so it's really important this is why we, we really want to be a healthy community where you can have friends you can talk stuff through with who can help you sometimes you don't even know you've been abused and you actually mm. need someone to bounce it off and say, oh, no, that's not right. You shouldn't be, mm. things shouldn't go that way. One of the interesting things in the church in the past, well, I know that this is people's perception, is that, say it was an abusive marriage, is that, no, well, you're married, so you've got to stick with it. You know, mm. I've heard that a lot. I understand, however, both sides of this, because there is still abuse in the church. There's still mm. abuse that goes on with Christians uh, in their seemingly good marriages mm. um yeah so it's an interesting one that we've got to be yeah, yeah. there's, there's a lot more to it isn't there yeah mm. absolutely and that's why we have to have these kind of nuanced complex conversations that you never quite get over but we need to keep coming back to these because it is right that we've got to give ourselves up and extend ourselves for the sake of others but it's also right we need to have boundaries and both of those yeah. two things are true in a healthy relationship mm. yeah Mm. Great. Now we need to finish up because we've gone way over time today. The longest podcast for quite some time. So yeah, you, I'd only got three doing? sermons on Sunday, so you know, had some extra time. <laughs> that That's right. Um, yeah. So I think we'll finish up. Matt, did you want to show us some from yesterday, or are we already too long? No, I think we can do it because because partly what we were trying to show is Jesus is the picture of love. He, he was someone, the ultimate picture of extending himself for the sake of others, but he also had very clear boundaries. And hard to imagine what Mary felt as she, she held this little baby boy and, and this little baby boy would go up to save the world, and, but he would do it not how anybody expected. And so we actually yesterday in the service, 
um, we finished the the last bit of the message and um, had uh, the team just sing Mary Did You Know. So we thought that would be a nice way to finish our podcast. So we might play that as, as, we, as we finish. Great. So thanks for joining.
did you know?